Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Semicast. We managed to get last week's episode out without any fires and without losing any files, which was lucky. Uh, so we're back for number two. I'm back again with Anthony Murphy. Hello, how are you? Hello, David Shark. How are you doing? I'm am, doing well. <laughs> I'm very well. This is going well so far. No one's ever going to see the two takes we lost before this one. It's fine. No. Lost to the ages. Eh, no one needed to hear that anyway. Nope. Uh, how was your week? My week was okay. I was mostly doing stuff for the site, uh, so <laughs> the amount of time I had to play uh, video games was limited. I've, I've come to appreciate how, when people do this, just how much time it takes to do things. <laughs> you're either waiting for things to finish, or you're trying to get things working just right, and that's time that you don't have to play video games. I got to Wednesday, and I thought, I haven't actually played anything. And this weekend, I was uploading some things to our archive, and I was desperately in need to play something. So I played a little bit of Doom, and my computer hard-locked, and I lost both my Doom save, and I both lost the, uh, the upload to archive. So that was quite a productive day. Great. It can only get Did better. Did you at least enjoy Doom? I really enjoyed Doom. I enjoyed Doom from the second I got control of the character, actually. I... It was kind of funny because you kind of wake up on the slab and I'm just going to spoil the start. Mm. And I and I saw the demon come at me and I moved and kind of strafed him a little bit. And I had this feeling that I thought, hang on, this feels like something. It feels like doom. <laughs> and yep. I was like, it's really fast. And, I've, and it's been such a long time since I played a game like that, like doom. It's such yep. a long time since I played a doom-esque game. It says we're going right now. Are you ready? Yeah, it's really cool. And then you go into the next room and it all shit just hits the fan and there's, mm. and there's a weird story behind it too. Yeah, no, I haven't been paying much attention to the story. So <laughs> I've just been shooting things. Well, I'm about three hours in or so, so I'm not too far. It's just it's taken me a while to start playing it, but I'm yeah. now glad I did. It's one of those games I kind of bought and then thought I'll play that when I get a chance and I just never have. Yeah, the guy who did the music is actually Australian. Oh, is he? Yeah, his name's Mick Gordon. Okay. Is he uh, known for anything else? Uh, not that I know of. Um, I'm not sure. All I know is uh, I thought, oh, that's odd. He's from Australia. Really, really good music, though. Yeah, it's funny because you know that there's like, a bunch of talented people in Australia. You're a little bit shocked when they kind of you see them in a yeah. AAA title. You say, why, why haven't you moved to the US like all the other talented Australian people? Yeah, well, maybe some people need to stay here and build the local community. Although, chances mm, are they possibly. probably don't get paid as much. No. I do love in that game, though, um, when the, at the end of the first elevator ride where uh, the music stops and the shotgun cock lines up perfectly with, yeah. <laughs> with the music. <laughs> just particular, that game could be described as just particularly dumb. But particularly dumb in a really entertaining way. Yeah. When when they introduce each of the guns, it's cool. You kind of rip them out of people's hands, like dead soldiers' yep. hands. And then instantly they give you something to do with that gun that is mm. a, more than appropriate. Yes. It has a, a nice gameplay loop where more violence and more carnage gets you more ammunition, which gives you more violence and more carnage. I just wanted to use the chainsaw the whole time. The first time I used the chainsaw, I thought, wow, that's gory but yeah mm. let's do that again yes i was kind of upset Although it, it does serve a gameplay mechanic in that the chainsaw is there to give you ammunition for weapons that you might have run out of ammunition for yeah yeah fun 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 game 
Yes. No, I agree. I am almost done with it, but I am doing that thing where you don't want something to end, so you stop playing it to make it last. (laughs) Uh, So have you been playing anything this week? Did you actually get to anything, or did you get to any live stuff? Or was it just all site stuff? Um, I played both Shenzhen IO and TIS 100, which are puzzle games from Zaktronics. Um, And they're puzzle games for people who like programming. So we'll start with Shenzhen IO, which is a game where you have to hook up uh, discrete electronics and program in a sort of a pseudo assembly language in them to uh, reach a particular goal. So one example is is that uh, a very simple one was that uh, you have an uh, you create an amplifier. There's an input that comes in, and you need to make sure that double the input goes out. Yep. And with all of Zaktronics games, it shows you at the end, like it says, "Hey, you you did it, and it cost this much, and you use this many lines of code." But then it shows you this other guy, these other people did it, and they only use this many lines of code, and they only use this much stuff. So there's this thing where puzzles have multiple solutions. So you could go back later on and really work at something. There's a a, a puzzle that, that I just did that's a little um, a little sort of animated sign, uh, and so there's an animated there's a person on it, and there's an animation for clicking the mouse and drinking the soda and moving the head back and forwards, and you can kind of get them all to line up and to feed into each other, but you uh, you have a limit of nine instructions per um, uh, I, I guess chip or discrete piece of electronics. Is it actually I real code? One more. Like, yeah, are, are you well, actually using a proper language or is it kind of a made-up no, language for the no, game? No, it's, it's kind of made up, but it looks an awful lot like assembly language from what I've learned of assembly language. Okay. I so mean, because like, all programming is kind of very, very similar. I mean, when I say that, I say that from an outsized perspective and I only yeah. kind of know a couple of languages and all of those, I believe, are scripting languages. Uh, but, yeah, you assembly know, language is its own beast. There's a, like Assembly language is something I've always meant to learn because it's the, the, it's the like... Scripting languages, uh, you know, they get things done. Compiled languages get things done and they're fairly complicated. Assembly language is another level below that where you can reach directly into the computer's memory and, and, and manipulate it on a level below sort of anything else. I wrote one assembly language program uh, that was 14 lines long uh, and it was my own sort of small operating system that you could put on a floppy disk and put the floppy disk in the computer and boot up and it would hook the BIOS, boot the computer and say, Anthony is great. And that's, <laughs> that's sort of all it does. And there was no need for Windows or no need for anything like that. And you sort of get a taste for this absolute power that you have where you just think, I took this thing that doesn't do anything and now it does something. You should just make all programs say, Anthony is great all the time. Yes. Start every program like that. We should start the website like that, like the code of the website, deep buried in there. It just says Anthony is great. In the possibly in the comments, <laughs> every sometime. every comment has Anthony is great. <laughs> yes. Or if you were pro- programming the Apple IIe's on the top level of Maya back in the eighties, it would be ten. Anthony is great. Twenty. Go to ten. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just scroll up the screen forever, or until somebody hit Control C. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of um fake slash real hacking games out or mm. coding games out there was the well, one this one comes with quite a nice manual that uh looks like it looks like it's it's like split up into sections and there's like the documentation for the chips you're working with and then there's a documentation for stuff that you get to plug into the chips like synthesizers and stuff like that and the guy's gone to the um the trouble of making up fake companies that make all of this and there's like a blurb about 
this company's history and where they're located and like the husband and wife team who had a plan for a, a cheap chip fabrication in Oregon and they set it up. And then there's a point where well, there's the thing down the back that just looks like someone's gone through and printed out a bunch of stuff off GeoCities pages, <laughs> but it all ties into, into the game. Like there's a, a like a photocopied leaflet in there for someone who's, I guess, making fun of monster cables. They make they want to make something that um, yeah. that audio files will buy that doesn't really do anything, and they've got this <laughs> secret proprietary formula for making audio sound better. I mean, it seems only appropriate because all of the best computer code comes off a GeoCities site. Yeah, yeah. So one of your puzzles is to go in and implement this algorithm, which doesn't do anything, and and implement it into hardware so they can sell it. So everything in the manual kind of ties back into the to the game eventually. Okay, cool. And on a similar line is TIS one hundred, which is it's the same deal. It's assembly language, but the, and you get again, you get a manual that looks like it's been printed out and has post-it notes on it and things <laughs> like that. But it's about a computer that you found in your uncle's house after he passed away and you're trying to figure out how it works. You're trying to retrieve all of the porn from your uncle's private computer. No, a little bit different to that. But it's it's like it's a a different style of programming using connected modules in memory, I would call them. So, yeah, those those two games, if you like assembly language and you like puzzles, <laughs> they're pretty good. Are they purely uh, puzzle yeah. games or do they go anywhere? Do any of them have a story? Oh, they all have stories. So Shenzhen IO is the the story is is that you want to you're an engineer and you want to work in engineering, but they don't. Um, nobody hires engineers in the country where you live anymore. So you move to Shenzhen in um, China to work there. And so the manual that you print out it has like a letter from the recruiter who recruited you and a form for you to fill out for residency and things like that. So <laughs> it's like, paper, like, and it's then, like papers, please. But the but the coding, yeah, pretty much. Um, and then sort of throughout the game, you're getting emails from your coworkers and things like that. So there is actually like a story woven through all of that. So you've had a lot of fake coding to go along with your real coding. (laughs) Yes. I haven't really been doing much coding at work lately, but this is scratching a particular itch to make things work. And then you get asked to do some coding at work and you start doing it in assembly language, trying to solve Mm. puzzles from, and then you get all confused. Is that a thing that, like, if you code a lot in one language, you get a bit kind of stuck in that language, and then if you're asked to do something else, it's a, it's a little bit more challenging to get out of it. I mean, I I actually don't do that much coding. I've done a little bit of PHP uh, scripting be. and a little bit of Perl. I think I ruined myself by learning Perl as my first quote unquote language, yeah, probably because that's yeah. like oh. really just open. You just do whatever you want. You you were talking earlier about you do a, a, something in fourteen lines, and then and then they show you somebody who's done it in ten lines in Perl. It's mm. like you do something in three lines and someone's done it in one line and you don't even understand yeah. that one line. Yeah, well, sort of Perl's undergone a little bit of a... I'm not sure that many people use it anymore. They all moved across to Python. Then again, I guess there's diehards who who still use Amigas and things like that. So Yeah, I mean... An audience for just about anything. The knowledge of Perl kind of translated pretty quickly across to PHP, that, that they use a lot of the same things. Yeah, yeah. We're going to well, get people yelling at us. When the languages are similar, it works. But when they're difficult, you can find yourself putting semicolons in the wrong place and things like that. How about you? What have you been playing? Uh, I have been playing. Look, I'm just going to go like just right off the bat before we go into what I've been playing. I mm-hmm. had this itch for some really bad TV because I kind of bounce on and off a little bit of bad TV. And my bad TV of choice generally, which you would know extremely well, 
is the wrestling. Wrestling. So, uh, yeah, the wrestling, the professional sports entertainment, as they call it nowadays. So I actually resubscribe to the WWE Network, which I do kind Fantastic. of, you know, once every six months or so. I I kind of jump in and have to taste the the quality programming that is on the WWE Network. Yep. So I felt... Table for three. Table for... No, I actually went all the way back and I've been watching uh, WCW Nitro, Monday Night Nitro from the very start. From oh, the start, dear. from the first episode where they were uh, live in mall in the Mall of America, which is apparently the yeah, only venue those. large enough to hold the the WCW launch, which was yeah, except of, for like a stadium or something, yeah, or any of the other places that they couldn't get in because it was their first episode. Mm. But it's kind of funny they had uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan as one of the one of the commentators, and um, Hogan as the WCW champion. And it's a whole bunch of like Macho Man, Savage. Like, so, so there was a a point in there where, see, I think in the recent wrestling, they kind of try to make too much of the stories, and they try to make too much of the reasons why people, why these one burly guys attacking another burly guy. Mm. And in, just to go back for a second, Hulk Hogan's a champion, but the WCW hasn't started yet. I, I'm not sure it was how their first episode. It was kind of. I think it was their first TV episode. But oh. they may have had a house show, or I, I don't know. Something maybe it's right. That I mean, I think they just paid him a lot of money and said, and he said, "Can I be the champion?" And they went, "Yeah, sure, no worries." Yep, because you're going to bring all these people with you. Well, he did. He did. In the end, he even bought the person who who was supposed to replace him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Mister Luger, and also mm. um, Macho Man was in there. Randy Savage was in there, so he ended up feuding with a guy. Because uh, Randy Savage was on a beach doing bench presses with all the girls from Baywatch around him cheering him on. And then another WCW wrestler showed up on the beach and attacked him while he was doing his weightlifting on the beach. And that's why they were having a feud. Well, you know, that you've, you've got to give someone space to work out. I you mean, do. You can't just be attacking them. This isn't the hardcore title. If a man can't go to the beach and where there's a, a bench press already set up in the middle of a beach and just pump some iron without, you know, being attacked, I don't see where it can go. Don't they have bench presses set up on the beach in, like, Santa Monica and places th- like that? I or? think it's, yeah, I think it's Venice Beach, but I, oh, I right. still think that they do it on some type of hard ground, some type of concrete. He was just on, oh, right. he was just on the sand, I believe. Which is too much weight and you'll sink right in. Which is, it is a very, very stable place to be lifting a barbell. Yes. So yeah. were, were, were the Baywatch models spotting him or what? Uh, they were standing back a lot and they kind of stood <laughs> back a lot more when the actual quote-unquote wrestling was happening. Who was the wrestler who came in and attacked him? Oh, I'm trying to think of his name and it's some guy who I've kind of never, some big guy with face paint and kind of curly hair. Ultimate Warrior? No, not, not even anyone that known. He's in right. a he's in a stable with three other guys, something Doom, but not the Brothers of Doom. It's some I don't Vampiro? know. Vampiro? No, there's lesser known even than Vampiro. La Parker? No, we're still going down a road with it's. Let's like right, okay. I'm just gonna. I don't even know. But he was. He seemed very angry at Randy Savage for some reason. Right, because he was working out on the beach. Yeah, because you shouldn't do that apparently. And he got maybe he owned the barbells, and Randy Savage moved them to the beach without asking him. <laughs> there was uh, a bit where the Big Show, who was he, wasn't called the Big Show back then. He ran over Hulk Hogan's motorcycle with a monster truck, right? And then they had a feud, and I can understand that feud a little bit more. 
Yep, that's a pretty standard wrestling feud. Yes. Something something or somebody gets run over by somebody else. Yes, there's a lot of car. There's a lot of car on motorcycle and car on car action in the wrestling, which And then truck on car. Truck on car and monster truck on bike. And then I think there was an ice cream truck at some point or a milk truck was involved. Yeah, but it had beer in it. Yeah. Although I think at one stage it had milk on it when Kurt Angle wanted to replicate Stone Cold Steve Austin's driving the beer truck to ringside. This is the exact type of bad TV that I was looking for. I don't mm. go down and kind of go, oh, I just, I just need a little bit of semi-bad TV. I need the lowest form of extreme, because I know what I want. I know that I need some badness, so and I know exactly where to find it. And it's right. $12 a month on the WWF network. WWE, yep. No, WWE Network. I'm not going to get sued by the World Wildlife Foundation. No. No. No, you can't be elbow dropping animals and pandas and things like that. No, because I can understand how they thought that, you know, people might get confused when they tuned in and saw The Rock giving someone the people's elbow and they were saying, hang on, I thought the Wildlife Foundation was about protecting animals. I was really angry at them when they did that. I wasn't even in, into wrestling. Just that they wasted money on that was, yeah, exactly. was an- annoying to me. Infringement of copyright. It's big business. It wasn't until I got into wrestling years later that I, I just said, well, they're idiots, obviously. But but I wasn't into wrestling when that happened, and I just got angry at them. Yeah. I remember watching uh, WrestleMania 1 on TV because uh, it was rebroadcast in Australia when I was very, very young. See, I didn't get into wrestling until we started watching it um, on television, and I would stay up late and watch Monday Nitro, and I was probably about 25 at the time. I think. It's a good quality show for a 25-year-old, I think. It's exactly what you want at that age. It's like you just sit there and go, these idiots are idiots. Yeah. But then I think think nowadays, though, like 25-year-olds are starting up their own internet companies and making millions of dollars. So Mm. maybe that's where we went wrong. Yeah. So that's kind of what I started the week with. I started (laughs) the week with, I went straight off uh, editing the podcast, uploading the podcast, and then I just thought i need some badness so wwe network it was yep. and then i thought i better kind of look into some games so i started to play res infinite now oh, I've, yes i've played my fair share of res in the past i've played the dreamcast version of the ps2 version and now i've also played the ps4 res infinite and mm-hmm. weirdly it's it's like not weirdly it's in high def it's it's a it's a high def retelling of res and they've, you know, remastered the music and remastered all the visuals and mm. whatever. And it looks exactly the same as what it did. Or, or in my mind, it looks like exactly what Res looked like back when I was playing it on the Dreamcast and the PS2. So just to make sure I was not going crazy. This seems to be a, a, a recurring theme. Like last week, I was going back about NBA Jam and kind of getting really obsessed about what that used to look like versus what it looks like now. And this week, I'm going by uh, to do it with the same with Res. So I actually went back and I plugged uh, my PS2 in and my PS2 copy of Res and went back and no, it's as blurry as all hell, mm. and it's not like that anymore. No, well, that that's what that game thrives on is is weird visuals that need to look as good as possible. Yeah, and it's just it's and still music. it's still really good. The music is mm. probably the, some of the best music in a video game I've ever heard. It just because it sings. And you so- don't even like that style of music? No, not really. And it's just, but it suits the game. And they've actually. So the, you can do all the regular levels from Res, and now they have created uh, Res Area X, which mm. I thought going into because you kind of have to play through the first part of the game before you, they'll let you play in Area X. Apparently, it's a danger zone or something. But so I so I just <laughs> is thought there of, a highway to yeah, this? there's a highway, and it's through the other five levels. 
but I actually thought that it'd just be another of the same type of level and, you know, that it was going to just be like more vector and a bit more of the same style. But they've really gone to town on it. They've really, when you explode an enemy, it's like it bursts into fireworks. It's a lot finer. It's like a 4K version. It is like if they had a made res now and instead of it being on rails, you can Mm. um, hit the shoulder buttons and you can fly backwards and forwards and you're a little bit more free to, to fly around. And man, it's just such a good game. Such still such a good game. I know we were talking about this during the week that you know it's great to kind of go back and play these old games, but we really still want new games. But it's just so mm. hard to go past a game like Res. Such a still one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, well, it's quite interesting that a lot of those games, if you load them up on um, say a PS2 emulator, and then pop the resolution up to 1080p and you know, anti-alias them. A lot of them look really, really good. And the models that they used in the game are actually much higher detail than what the PS2 could actually pump out to a, a regular old SD TV. Um, yeah, so it couldn't it actually was, show the whole of Res, but it could potentially guide a nuclear missile. It could. So I've been playing some Res. Uh, been still playing a little bit of Titanfall 2. Still really enjoying. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you, are, you have actually played a little bit more. Yeah, I just moved through it kind of at my own pace. I'm, I'm not going to spoil... Too much, but I'm kind of at the area where you're supposed to meet up with someone and then you get a device that they have Ah. and that allows you to move through a facility. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, you know, it's good, but you can kind of see the bones. You can kind of see where they said, this will be awesome if we just do this. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's it's all right. I'm I'm withholding judgment until I get all the way through it. Maybe sort of AAA games aren't for, or AAA shooters aren't for me anymore. Who knows? I mean, although I like Doom, I guess, but that's a very different AAA shooter. You're in extreme luck because there are so many decent AAA shooter things out at the moment. You can just choose the one that you really, really like. Uh, Doom is a really good single-player campaign. Apparently, the multiplayer is not all that great. No, I haven't even tried the multiplayer. And apparently, from what I've heard, Doom is a really long campaign. Oh, yeah. Whereas Titanfall's a really tight, probably five, six hours maybe, but the multiplayer is amazing. The multiplayer, I just keep finding new, newer ways to have some fun, to actually feel like I'm a cool pilot jumping around, jumping into a Titan. So, for example, I was in a map the other day and I was a pilot and I was kind of being a bit cheeky and I shot uh, one of my anti-Titan rockets off at a Titan and it was just me and this Titan in, in this area and the Titan turns, he looks at me and goes to shoot me. So I duck behind a box, so this kind of giant crate, as is kind of generally mm. littered in the first-person shooter uh, genre. Um, yep. So I'm pretty much dead at that point. I'm sitting behind this crate, running around. It's kind of like a Bugs Bunny cartoon where I'm running around the crate. He's trying to running find me the, the around the crate, and he just eventually stops and just points his gun at the crate and just waits because he knows eventually I have to come out of that yeah. crate and then I'm dead. So I figure I'm dead and I'm just about to just put an end to my misery and step out and get killed so I can respawn somewhere else and go along with my day. And you as you're playing him. <laughs> yeah. And as you're playing the game, as your as your team score points, your little Titan meter ticks up very, very slowly. I mean, obviously it ticks up faster when you kill things, but your Titan mm. meter ticks up faster. So as I'm about to jump out from behind this crate, my Titan meter ticks over and I hear your Titanfall is ready. And I thought, hang that on. That was a really good impersonation. Thanks. But my Titanfall is ready. And I thought, hang on a second. So I kind of look to where the Titan is just waiting. And I call my Titan down, 
right on top of him. And I and he didn't really notice me do it. So, I'm just sitting here waiting, just hoping that, that this is going to work. And my Titan shoots from the sky, lands on the ground, and destroys the other Titan. So, I can't believe that as a pilot, I beat a Titan in a one-on-one standoff, basically, where I was dead. It's just- You basically telefragged a Titan. I pretty much telefragged a Titan. Which is cool. Right. It's just one of those games that just, for me, keeps throwing up these interesting things where I just end up looking cool, which yep. I'm all about, really. The cooler <laughs> I can kind of make myself, the better. You should be going and playing Killer7 then I rather than yeah. Titanfall. <laughs> Maybe we should go back and play that. We will. We'll play, go back and play it and put it on the site. I was uh, investigating it and trying to get it into OBS the other day uh, at a decent resolution. Yeah. Um, that's a work in progress. Yeah. That was a Suda51 game it wasn't was it Suda 51's i guess first really big game he had some games before that yeah was that a grasshopper um, manufacturers was was he running that, that was, company then that was definitely grass grasshopper manufacturer okay cool followed up closely by um no more heroes yeah or did he do something in between then maybe uh, I'm, he, uh, I'm not sure chances are he did a bunch of stuff we have never seen that he just yeah. does for his own amusement because i'm pretty sure he just Possibly. goes around just amusing himself I actually played a Japanese game as well during the week. I got my Nitro Plus Blasters on. Hey, Nitro Plus Blasters, Heroin's Infinite Jewels. Mm, and it made me realise some things about um, about me and fighting games. <laughs> yes. Is that um, generally what happens when I play a fighting game is I get up to about the third or fourth person and I start to lose. And that's because I generally don't pay any attention to what the other player is doing. As I'm always <laughs> trying to get my combo out yeah. or... Um, just mashing quarter circle forward, quarter circle forward punch. Yeah. Get, get that super out. So I started reading about what they call space and time in fighting games, where uh, a lot of your time is spent looking for the position that you need, getting far enough away from someone so that you can get a special out or yeah. getting into a position where you can uh, anti-air them if they come in that way. Uh, so I'm not really that good. At it yet. I had a bit of a go uh, on. <laughs> I loaded up Guilty Gear X2 tonight and had a bit of a go on that. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's still some more time, I guess, before I can be said to actually be any good at Nitro Plus Blasters. Yeah, well, you're kind of talking about like that fighting games are a series of trying to trying to get into the right spot to do the right thing. I've found that for the really high level play, which I'll never aspire to, which I was probably sorry, which I aspire to, but it can never kind of get there. That it's all about patterns rather than even almost watching what's on screen you know that hitting the buttons and hitting the joystick in a particular rhythm will get you a combo rather than actually watching and waiting for those things so you kind of have to and it's literally a split second timing so much so that a lot of pro players have started to use what's called a hitbox rather than a fight stick so what that is it's actually uh, buttons on the button side but also buttons on the joystick side so they're not yep. pushing up, down, left, right. They're actually hitting buttons for up, up, down, left, right because it, it actually gives them faster response times. Like they can tap a button twice faster than they can hit a stick. Yeah. Which I don't think I could ever get into. I kind of like the yeah. feel of a joystick. And Yeah. We've, we've been brought up on playing Street Fighter at video shops and fish and chip shops though where that, that was the only interface that we had. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's definitely high-level play at stake and I wouldn't mind mm. one day going to Evo and actually seeing the craziness that happens there. Yeah. I'm still also waiting for Guilty Gear XR. Oh, God, what's the latest one called? Not the one that we put on the site the other day. Oh, the uh, re- not, not Revelator? No. That's no, not- no, it is it is Revelator. I'm waiting for that one to come down in price because it has jam in it. And I can't, <laughs> I've can't. i been having to play Milia Rage, 
and I want to play Jam. I'm a uh, chip man, as you know. You are who was president, of, president of a country that he started. Apparently, apparently. Chip is the president you were telling me today, which I can yes. I can kind of see that. He seems like the presidential type with two two uh, blades that he can I was reading, mess up reading some the folks. Wikipedia article in broken English, and apparently he took over the Assassin's Guild and then just asked them to vote for him. <laughs> and if the Assassin's so, yeah. Guild is, is a good at one thing, it's voting. <laughs> Don't quite know how that works. I, I think they paint themselves into corners. With the lore on that game, ah, that's they just have to have to get out of it by making Chip president. And then we'll see what they do is they paint themselves into a corner and then they solve it by having a fight battle. And then that's how they get out of that. Yeah, well, I actually found out that Jam has had a restaurant and a cart destroyed by various people, ninjas. And so if you look at her special in Revelator, it's a flashback to where she remembers that her restaurant burnt down because Robo Kai burnt it down, <laughs> and um, then she gets really angry and beats up the person who she's fighting. Oh, I love a good anime fighter mm. because they try to put a story in. <laughs> yeah, it's always. I've played played a bit of Blaz Blue as well, um, but I struggle with characters that can't move very fast. Like Jam is all over the screen. Yeah, and I'm trying to recognize that I need to be able to handle a character that doesn't move very far or very fast. Yeah, I mean, I always when I jump into a fighter, I jump through a bunch of play, um, jump through a bunch of characters and try to find the one that suits my playstyle, which is kind of weird. Like you're playing a different fighting game, but you're still looking for the same thing. I tend to mm. go for a really fast uh, fighter that can get really, really close. Yeah, or something that can I just go for the around. one that has the has the most projectiles <laughs> so <you laughs> to can, kick people away, so you can stay away on the other side. I like yep. I like closeness and a good dragon punch, a good anti air dragon punches. Yeah, high on my list of stuff. Right. And the other thing I've played was Elite Dangerous as well, still. Still looking for those aliens? Uh, no, I haven't found the aliens yet. I There's a thing called Power Play where you join a faction, and I I joined the faction that the, that the Empress is currently heading, uh, and so I've been blowing up ships in her name, and uh, she's been paying me for it. Has she asked you to vote for her yet? No, well, you don't vote. Like, like the, Emperor, the Empire in Elite Dangerous is kind of like Space Romans. So you don't really vote for them. Do they have you a space coliseum? Where they, where they have two people battle and they have giant space Probably. thumbs where they go sp- uh, thumb up and thumb down, depending on whether you should finish them? Oh, no. The game doesn't really get into that level of detail. That's more in the sort of the I thought the it was a really lore. deep game, and now you're telling me it's not getting into detail. Well, it is in text, but you're kind of limited what you can do to be sort of, I guess, just being in your ship, blowing stuff up, trading stuff, mining stuff, or exploring. Yeah, so I during the week I watched the video of the alien interaction, the first contact mm. with the alien. Have the aliens actually done anything rather than scan ships and flown off, or have they just uh, no stuck to the just we're here? Do you guys just watch yourself? No, there are several systems that have been discovered that players can't enter for some reason. Something is stopping them. So they they're not going to. They tend to build these things up over a long period of time. Okay, well, I can I can give everyone a hint. It's aliens that's stopping them from getting in those things. <laughs> Probably. I can tell. Don't even bother reading Game Facts or Wikipedia. It's aliens. No, they're all aliens. You heard it here first. <laughs> we or, when the game, or when the original game was released in the 80s. Or then, maybe then, but, you know. Uh, I have also been, I had a little bit of a, because I kind of had some issues with Doom and crashing of computers and archives being lost, I jumped on the uh, Xbox One and played a bit of Ori in the Blind Forest. Oh, yes. I think my wife may have played that. I'm not sure, though. That game's as cute as hell. I mean, apart from the mm. fact that I'm going to spoil it again, but both the main characters die in the first two minutes. 
Really? Which my uh, daughter was extremely upset about while she was standing, standing there next to me playing. She goes, well, what just happened? It's like, well, the big guy died and then the little guy went out to get fruit, but then he couldn't find any and then he died as well. But don't worry, a spiritual tree brought the little one back to life and now he's kind of working for, for their tree. And she kind of just looked at me a bit weird with tears in her eyes and then I had to kind of <laughs> console her. <laughs> they need to put a warning on the box. Yeah, like that, like the witcher they need a warning on and or in the blind mm. forest. For, yes. For very different reasons. Yeah. Probably on Nitro Plus Blasters as well. Yeah. Nitro Plus Blasters. Beware of D-phones and cats. Yeah. <laughs> well, that girl that just seems to use meat as her fighting implement. <laughs> the meat girl, as I call her. I still don't know yeah. her name. No. No, they all look the same to me. I yeah. guess that might be racist, but. No, maybe just fighting gamist, fighting game characterist. I mean, I'm- Animeist. Yeah, you kind of get to the point where you've just seen too many female anime fighting gang characters and it's like, okay, are you the one with the coloured hair? Are you the one with the giant cross? Are you the one with the gun? Or are you the one with the meat arms? There's only kind of mm. four or five generic <laughs> types. Are you, the one, are you the one with the giant anchor? Yes. Well, in Nitro Plus, there's the giant cross, which is kind of equivalent to the giant anchor. There's always one giant prop on a really tiny person. Well, there's a giant cross in... Um Guilty Gear, but it's it's a bed, kinda. <laughs> yeah, there is too, isn't there? And then um, bed man, and in, and our Garu's got the anchor. Yes, yes. God, I hate that guy in Garu. So is, isn't it a girl? Is it a little blue? No, it's girl. it's a girl in it's a girl in Guilty Gear. Oh, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so yeah, played or in the Tune in next week for a correction. <laughs> We actually do have a correction segment later on, which we'll get to, and we'll correct a couple of things that we got wrong. Right. But that's just how we are here at Semi-Informatic. We're not called Semi-Informatic for no reason. No. Um, so, yeah, or in the Blind Forest. It's actually a really fun game. The movement's really cool. The animation's gorgeous. Um, it's, it, it gives you a good amount of tools to traverse the environments. The puzzles are kind of... They're not overly complex, but they're kind of a lot of kind of jumping puzzles and, like, wall wall jumps and... Things like that. Uh, one of the things that, that Ubi Ubi engine that they did for Rain Man, they spun off and made a bunch of games. Yeah, it's it. good. It's a good little fun. Like the, visually, it looks amazing, and it feels the movement feels really good as well. Uh, one of the mm. things I did have to get used to was that you earn. So on one side of your bar, you've got health. So you've got little green blobs which are health, and then on the other side, mm-hmm. you've got little blue blobs which are energy, which you can use to um, ex- set grenades and explode it, things to get into other areas. But you also use those uh, blue blobs to open spirit portals so you can save and so you can do your kind of ability points. So a couple of times I've actually gotten to a section where I wanted to save but I couldn't save because I didn't have any energy because I already used it to blow up a wall. So it's weird oh. having a checkpoint system that's tied to a thing that you use to attack. So it kind of makes you just think about, oh, hang on a second, I need to save here before I blow up this wall and then I'll find some more energy here and there. And a couple of times I've just straight forgotten to save, which is, you know, I, I didn't go that far back, but it was enough that I had to kind of go, okay, I have to go back and rethink this. Right. I but thought it, you said that the game was going to run on death death metals for a while there. Yeah. Char- charge you 50 cents every time you die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who wanted to do that? Was that Kojima who wanted to do that, where the game just burns when, when, you, when you die <laughs> oh, yeah, and you have to buy a new like copy? It, the game deleted itself if you, it, yeah. if you died. That sounds like a Kojima thing. Yeah. Where a suit of 51 just charges you if you die. Yeah. Uh, so there was already... Um, I managed to get my hands on this week a NES Classic. 
the right. Elusiveness Classic going for three four hundred dollars on eBay. Uh, they restocked them at EB Games last week, and you know I was half looking for one before Christmas just as a curiosity. I wasn't looking for one for a Christmas present, and I wasn't about to get angry on a message board because EB or Nintendo didn't have enough, and I was wasn't going to really be yelling at anyone. I tried twice when they had them up for sale on uh, EB Games. Uh, didn't get through. Was kind of laughing to myself because the first day the EB servers just completely melted down, and then they mm. um, then they kind of went on Facebook and said, "Don't worry, we're going to have more server space tomorrow. Everyone try again." And I just was just thinking, it's just going to go exactly the same way again, and it did. They mm. the servers melted down. Uh, eventually, they got it in order, and some people managed to get them. But I tried for maybe two minutes and then realized that it was folly and stopped looking. Um, mm. I did see during last week that uh, EB Games did have a couple of extras or, or that they restocked them. I think they did it quietly this time so that they didn't have the giant server rush. So I calmly put my money in and it got delivered a couple of days later. It's all right. It's a tiny little NES, 30 games, controller with a super short cord. Well, apparently it's more games if you uh, if you mess it up just the right way. Yeah, well, apparently um, hackers started to mess with the innards and they actually found a message from the uh, development team, a nice little message to say, just be tidy with everything you do to this machine. So it's funny. <laughs> I think I think that the <laughs> it's good that they've got a little bit of a sense of humor with that, even in the face of the uh, 3DS being pretty hacked. And I, I think they're actually pretty upset about the 3DS being as kind of compromised as it is at the moment. Mm. Well, that's that's generally Nintendo's handhelds, isn't it? Is that the DS and the 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 flash carts and stuff like that it eventually gets gets opened up and changed. Yeah. So you know, yeah, people are trying to put more and more games onto these things. It's one of those things that I think it's a nice little thing to have. Really, I mean, if I had to, I definitely wouldn't spend any more than a hundred dollars on it. Mm, um, I would hesitate to spend that much, actually. Yeah, it's a it's a cute little unit, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of happy to have it, but I'm not cheering from the top of a rooftop for having it. I mean, there have mm. been other ways I could have played these games for a very, very long time. There have been multiple ways, Raspberry Pi ways yep. and just all different kinds of things. I mean, if you really wanted to play these games, there are ways other than having to spend $600 on on eBay on a little plastic box. Yes. We're talking we're not about... Gonna, we're not going to get into them here, though. No, because <laughs> we, we would not know anything about any of those no. other ways. We're only... That's why I bought the box. That's why I bought the box with the 30 games on it, and I'm only playing those 30 games. And no more. No more Nintendo. Unless I buy them as a virtual console thing on a Nintendo machine, officially licensed. Yep. All above board. All above board. Uh, so you were talking about handhelds before, and I have also, just as a last little game, I've been kind of messing with for probably two months now, on and off, is Tap Titans 2? I'm sorry to say. <laughs> the, right. The iOS Tap Titans 2, because it came out and I was looking for something to play on my iOS device after uh, WWE Supercard's got to be boring. No, oh, no, come on. Oh. <laughs> how, how can WWE Supercard be a bit boring? You get well, to pit, pit cards against each other. Yeah, true. I mean, I actually think WWE Supercards is a bit more of a, a full game than Tap Titans 2. Tap Titans mm. 2 is kind of a... You, you can barely call it a game, but it's got lots of numbers that keep going up. So you you can attack for a small amount and then you upgrade your weapons and your people you're with and then the numbers that you were hit the Titans for 
they go up as the titans go up and that's pretty much it it's a race to the bottom or the top so mm. uh i got to level 600 for my little character and i prestiged which means i i resetted back to level one and that was in this game in this particular game that is folly because the only good part about that game is watching the numbers go from very very small to very very big and prestige pushes them back so they actually call it prestiging yes they call it so they've stolen that term from call of duty yes and i can't remember what we what we called it back in the everquest days uh yeah alternate advancement i think yeah, so uh, Titanfall has it and they call it regenerating. So you right. regenerate from level 50 back to level 1 and then have to kind of go through the whole thing, but you get extra skins and a whole bunch of little perks. Mm. Uh, but no, Tap Titans 2, it's got numbers that go up and you can prestige. And I was about to stop playing and then I found this little skill that you can get where if if you tap the screen, lots and lots of money comes out and lots of gold coins fly out and then you get lots of money for like 30 seconds. And so I play right. it. I, so I play it with that and then i turn it off until my because the titans will keep earning you money as you're not playing which is the, so the, did you just say that the titans will keep no, earning you money the, your your heroes will kill the titans right. and they will earn you money while while you're not playing so actually the best part of tap titans 2 is that you don't have to play it it's actually Titanfall better if you, 2 and tap titans 2 yeah i i know which one of those is a better game it sounds like a modern consumerist nightmare yeah, you don't want to get the games wrong. You don't want to have someone ask for Titanfall 2 and then you get them Tap Titans 2. Yep. I can't climb inside these Tap Titans. No, and you can't What's call, going on? You can't call a Tap Titan from the sky and crush another Tap Titan. No. Anyway, that's uh, all I've been playing. And you got anything else? No, that's it for me. Well, Hopefully I get to play more games uh, next week. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to seeing if I get to some more Doom. Yeah, all I'm right. looking forward to cooler weather so I can actually play games without having to, to put a, have a fan on me all the time. Yeah, well, just next to the giant hot computer that's pumping out hot air probably doesn't help either. Yep, two hot computers now because I built one for my wife. So Oh, cool. So she's mm. off the laptop? She's off the laptop and now she's just using a computer that rivals mine for power to play Stardew Valley. And Spelunky. And Spelunky. She should do a Spelunky run for the site. I think that'd be awesome. Well, yeah, we had an idea where we just mic her up and and just cut do a super cut of all the swearing. <laughs> <laughs> just get her a, a lapel mic and just just you yep. know you look you just have to wear this all the time now. And we're just going to record yep. you swearing. All right, so that's what we've we've been up to in the past couple of days since we've kind of managed to record last. Uh, we're going to move on to a weekly topic. So we're going to call this segment "Getting Semi-Informed." Because we're just going to yes. talk about some topics and the facts, as far as we know, are true, but they might not be true. And it's not that we're trying to fool you. It's just that sometimes we get a couple of things wrong. Does that mean the correction segment is called Get Semi-Corrected? No. <laughs> I have a name for the correction segment and I will tell you that later. Right. So, um, do you want to start? Yeah, we're looking at Kickstarter this week. Ah, um, Kickstarter. I backed Shroud of the Avatar by Lord British way back when, um, and they keep sending me emails. It's had 86 updates uh, over the years. So when was that? Uh, what, what year was that? Was that in some year BC? 2013. B- BK, before Kickstarter? Pre- Early 2013. Wow, okay. Um, and it just it's sort of like, if you look, think about Ultima Online and the Ultima games, and they're kind of frozen in a period of history, he's kind of making that game, but with nicer graphics to a certain extent. 
That was kind <laughs> so, of always really interesting, fun games. I never played them myself, but I watched you play it a lot, and they seem to be very much like the Wild West, but not the Wild West. Well, Ultima Online originally was like my first experience with Ultima Online in like 1996 or seven. Um, is that I applied for the public beta, um, and then I had to go to the bank and get a check and mail it to them. Because there was no like way to an pay actual online. paper check. This isn't an, an in-game actual thing. paper check. <laughs> um, and then a couple of weeks later, a beta CD showed up that I still got hanging around somewhere. That's awesome. So I installed it and sort of, I guess, patched it, which took forever on a modem. And I logged in, and there was a merchant who was just dead at the front of his shop, and parts of the ground were on fire. And then a naked man ran past with a bunch of other naked men chasing him. <laughs> I said, "This this reminds me of the classic Ultima." RPGs. I like to think that uh, Lord British just had a box of the CDs at the foot of his bed and the check arrived yeah, and he just popped one in an envelope and sent it off to the far reaches of Australia. Maybe he, um, he he had his brother Robert do it, who was in charge of business for Origin for a little while. No, okay. No, but Ultima was kind of, or at least Ultima Online, you had sort of EverQuest. Well, EverQuest came a bit later, but EverQuest represents, to a certain extent, your World of Warcraft uh, path where... It's kind of like a um, an amusement park ride. You get on the ride, you do the thing, and then you do it again next week. Whereas Ultima Online was more, everybody has the ability to hurt each other, get into this world, and try to get along with each other. Um, and that never works out well. So it was your first experience at getting along with other people in a world where they didn't know your name? It was like the first yeah, trolling my first, game? my first experience was a guy attacking me to steal my cloak that I had found. To be fair, it was a fancy um, cloak. And it, well, actually, it wasn't that fancy, but still, early on in the game, there was no secure trade. So um, to give someone something, you just dragged it on top of them. So people quickly learnt that if they dragged a bunch of really heavy stuff onto someone, they couldn't run away while you were fighting them. <laughs> so it was that that kind of insanity that I'm sure we'll never see. See, nowadays again, people anyway, would call that a bug, whereas it's yeah, so it's not a, a bug in that game. No. So Shroud of the Avatar is similar, but it's kind of been, I guess, tightened up. Um, Do you have to and I mail really off a check and then get them to send you a CD? <laughs> no, we we have we have Kickstarter now. We don't need to mail anything. They update it like fair like every couple of weeks, very regularly. It's kind of that whole thing of a like it's a standard RPG, but then you can buy housing and they have particular lots for sale in the the nice built up areas, and it's kind of like Star Citizen, but on a smaller scale. Except you don't have to pay ten thousand dollars for a ship. No, no, not not quite. It might get there, but this this has made me think about all the stuff that we've backed on Kickstarter and how much of it actually showed up and sort of how much of it. I stopped backing is- things on Kickstarter after a while. I mean, I think the first thing I backed was the Double Fine Adventure because yes. it just had such a compelling story behind it and I really wanted to see them succeed in something that they really wanted to do. So I actually mm-hmm. backed them at a fair amount. I backed them at the $100 level, which gets you the, you know, the box of the game, which only arrived late last year finally yep, i backed them at 110 yeah so i mean that was that was the first kickstarter i kick started i start mm. kicked i kicked in their start and um not very many since then i think i've, I've done uh, i think i did wasteland and i did dragonfall you actually did did wasteland yeah oh, okay that's interesting you're I- not usually an rpg guy no not generally but it kind of seemed like Again, they kind of had a good story and I wanted to see them do it. I generally back mm. something and then forget about it. And then yeah. if the, and then something will show up. And 
my wife will go, hey, a package arrives for you. And I'll think, hey, I didn't order anything. This is exciting. And then I'll go, oh, yeah, I backed that thing, didn't I? Oh, mm, you did. Amazing. Yeah, well, I went in a little bit further than you. I gave the Idle Thumbs video game podcast 13 bucks uh, just because I like the guys that do it. Mm. Uh, I backed Faster Than Light. I backed the Banner Saga. Uh, and both of those games are kind of okay. I like Faster Than Light better than I like the Banner Saga. Faster Than Light's a good game, and it came out really quickly. Like they, I think mm. that from, from what I can recall, they, they kind of finished up the Kickstarter, and within the same year it was out. Yep, these are all games that have actually come out. Um, so I backed Shadowrun Returns, which was really good, and then it's um, it's successor Dragonfall, which I, I guess was part of the original um, original Kickstarter campaign. It was going to be an extra campaign. Mm. So that's come out. I backed the new Leisure Suit Larry, the remake of the original, and that one was kind of interesting. They, they were very focused. It was kind of remake Leisure Suit Larry, make it look nice, get a good soundtrack from Austin Wintery, the guy who did Journey soundtrack. Yep. And put it out, and that's what they did. They haven't done anything since. So they they kind of use Kickstarter exactly the way that yeah they didn't try to send you updates like years on going hey we've got another Kickstarter no. you should back that one as well. No, well I'm not sure how successful Leisure Suit Larry was for them. So mm. um, I'm re- replay games. I'm not sure if they're still around. It doesn't seem like the type of game that would run that would play very well in 2016, 2017. No, it actually only took about a year to come out. Um, maybe even less. Yeah. Um, but from then I moved on quite quickly to, uh, it's a game called Republic that I thought looked really interesting mm-hmm. about controlling, a like there's a girl who's in this dystopian world and you have like a cell phone linked to her and you, you sort of control her and tell her, um, what to do and where to go and how to avoid guards. But I backed for the desktop edition and it was like a stretch goal, but it quickly became apparent that um, that the desktop edition was an afterthought to the tablet edition. Right, okay. So that, that started, um, God, when did that start? Uh, 2012, and I think to, getting to 2015 now, we might just be seeing all of the, oh, it was episodic too, all of the episodes. <laughs> was it episodic um, to start off with, or was it they, yeah, they yeah, promised yeah. the whole game and then they said, oh, yep. no, it's going to be episodic? Yep, they released a bunch of episodes on the iPad and then the PC came sort of somewhat after that, but it always felt like the PC was an afterthought and people got angry at them about it. And, mm. uh, and then after that, it was Clang, which is an interesting one. That uh, was the Neil Stevenson. The Neil Stevenson um, sword fighting game. Yeah, and they only ever released a beta and then said we're not going to release anything else. So there's a lot of people very angry at them. See, I saw that uh, one and that one felt like it was going to be a clusterfuck from the very, very start because it mm. was someone who wasn't into games wanting to make a game mm. in a really particular way. Yes. So I know you backed it, so I couldn't laugh at it too much, but I was quite kind of, I was chuckling to myself when it did turn into a, a, the, the clusterfuck I thought it was going to. Yeah, I backed it at the lowest level though, so I wasn't really too upset. People are still actually posting on their Kickstarter page. Like the last post was three hours ago with someone saying, what's going <laughs> this? The, there's no reaction to any of our comments. This project's not going to happen anytime soon. I want to hit things I request with swords. my money to be refunded. In a Sorry. non-beta way. Yes. Um, and then we went on to a bunch of ones that actually came out and were quite good, like Project Eternity that became Pillars of Eternity from Obsidian. Sir, You Are Being Hunted, which is a fantastic little game mm. um, about being hunted by gentlemen robots. Uh, Fate Core, which is a RPG, an actual one of my only physical uh, Kickstarter um, projects. 
Uh, and then we start getting into ones that may or may not have come out. Like Dreamfall has finished very recently. Yeah. Massive Chalice has finished. Yep. Uh, Shadowrun Hong Kong came out. And like the, the thing is, like, these are all games where I've looked at a bunch of these and thought about backing them. It's not that I've just kind of gone straight off Kickstarter, but I've kind of looked and thought about backing them, but thought about backing them really late into their backing cycle. And just mm. and I've seen that they're already funded, that I could potentially just not back these things now and then wait until I find out whether they're good or not and then actually buy them in the Steam store or buy them on wh- whichever marketplace that they're out. And I think... Yeah. That's the way I've approached Kickstarter from a very long time ago. Like, uh, super hot. I should have got onto that because it's a fucking amazing game. But I didn't back that. But I just, I, I bought a copy when it was out and I knew it was going to be great. And, you know, it's those type of things. Like, Massive Chalice is an, another one of those. I did want to back that and I didn't, just kind of didn't get to it. I really yeah. like Brad Muir and all of Brad Muir's stuff. And, and I knew that if he did get to make that game, it'd be a fun game. But I just yeah, didn't get just to it. Basically, it's it's kind of average, actually. Oh, is it? Oh, well. Yeah. Lucky I haven't bought a copy um, of it yet. So then there's ones up back that haven't come out yet. So let's get right into the Shroud of the Avatar and Torment are two ones that are obviously coming out. So Torment is what the Wasteland 2 people, and I, I have a beta of it installed, and it's quite advanced. So there's, there's And it has a release date, so it's not like it's not coming out. Um. Asylum is like a one-man horror game from a guy that made a bunch of other games I like, and he's a bit crazy. He posts weird Kickstarter updates. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, Shroud of the Avatar we've spoken about. That's ticking along quite nicely. Now, The Bard's Tale 4 is the project from the Torment guys after they finish Torment. They kind of line one up after after they finish one. Uh, so, you know, God knows what's happening with that one. I haven't been really been keeping an eye on it. It got to a point where, like, when I started, I backed these things at, like, the highest level I could afford. Yep. And now it tends to be, like, $20, $25. Yeah, whatever's going to get you the game, and then you just watch Mm. from afar and see if this thing actually pans out or not. I backed uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 without backing the original Divinity, but just because Chris and I have played the original Divinity and we really, really like it. So it wasn't the original Sin. It uh, It was the second to original Sin. Yeah. This is Original Sin 2. This is made, made by, I don't know what country they're from or what, yeah, it's Larian Studios, but they're, they're basically nutcases as far as RPGs go. They just try weird stuff that no one else is willing willing to try. Like Original Sin 2 is going to be a multiplayer RPG where you can get into conversations with NPCs and each person who's playing can give the NPC a different answer and the game <laughs> will branch out. So I think so that's- if you're trying to get, in, get into a city and they try to extort money out of you, one player can pay and another player can say screw you i'm not paying and just find another way in that seems to be how we play a lot of our games mm. usually it's the screw you part yeah it's like one one person pays and one person steals that money back so you've still got the money yeah yeah the last one i've backed uh, most recently is uh battletech by the um the Shadowrun guys uh, okay just because they've done three i guess two and a half kickstarters and they've delivered on every single one so far so I felt pretty good about backing that one. There are studios whose business model is Kickstarter, though. It's not, okay, we're going to use Kickstarter to get us off the ground and to get one of our games made, but then we're going to go to publishers. Their model is we're going to Kickstart every single one of our games. Yeah, or they use Fig now, which allows you to invest as an investor. Okay, so you actually do get a return if things go well or not. Yeah, I think Wasteland 3 is using Fig and so is Psychonauts 2. Okay, that's interesting. I haven't actually, like at at this point, though, I'm... Yeah, I'm probably not going to get in that far. Those ones, I'll wait and see what see what happens. I haven't even played. Like I've played Wasteland Two, and it's a good game, but I haven't finished it yet. So, 
Oh, the other thing I backed, which did come out and I've actually never played it, but it's a great game, is Johann Sebastian Joust. And I backed that. Oh, yes. And I got the alpha, I think, and I played the alpha to death and then just didn't... I don't even think I've got the PlayStation version that I asked for delivered. I should probably follow that up. Oh, yeah. Weird. Mm. It's, a, it's a good fun game. Something, something to yeah. use your move controls for. I think we're going to see a bit of a downturn in kickstarting stuff. I think people are getting a lot more wary about where they put their money into. Yeah. There's been too many kickstarters that have just kind of imploded. Well, that was really um, the thing. Like Once Double Fine's adventure w- was out and then everyone kind of jumped on the bandwagon, so to speak, I think everyone was cautiously throwing money in, but, but realistically, really inside, just waiting for the first fuck-up. For the first mm. game to just not be what it was said it was going to be, the first game to just not deliver, the first person to run away with all the cash, mm. and yeah, there's been a few of those. Yeah, and it's, and it's kind of happened now. So then you know, the the fun is taken out of it a little bit. Yeah, it's that. And yep. I think when Tim Schafer came out with the Double Fun Adventure, he had a really really compelling story, and I think a lot of people jumped yep. on because not only was he going to make a game that you really, really wanted, but he had the passion and he actually had a story behind the game. So, ironically, mm. he had an adventure making the adventure game yeah. and that's super important in getting people's money when it's, oh, please, you know, give us a couple of bucks. Like, like wanting to buy into that adventure, he just, he just had that and I don't think a lot of people who have gone since have had that story to tell. Yeah. Well, a lot of them that are even trying to um, reclaim past... I guess successes. It's not. Um, it's it's not working as often as it did previously, and you sort of get back to people who are um, who are trying to who are perhaps a little bit older. Say people who worked on say Bard's Tale Three, like Becky Heinlein, where their Kickstarter, I'm not entirely sure, got off the ground. I'd have to check. Yeah, but you see, you kind of have to be not recent, but within memory of the people who are. Um, who are currently spending money on games. Yeah, nothing gets you to open your wallet faster than nostalgia. And the fact yeah. that I have a, a mini NES Classic sitting here on the bench next to me is tribute to that, I think. Mm. John Romero yeah. was doing a new shooter, and there was a Kickstarter up for a little while. On the mini NES Classic? I'd buy that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but that was pulled after a little while due to the way the project was, uh, I guess, structured. Well, surprise, not, surprise not- that a project that John Romero was involved in wasn't <laughs> actually structured correctly. He did have a pretty interesting um, Kickstarter video. It though. was Daikatana 3, wasn't it? No, it wasn't Daikatana 3. It was a new one. But I think he had one of the artists from id Software working on it with him, Kevin Cloud, maybe, or Adrian Carmack. I can't remember which one. Mm. But the, the guy tracked down John Romero, like, on the Irish Highlands. Just followed his hair. Yeah, that, that was pretty him. much as jo- It was like, um, oh, what was the new Star Wars movie that came out? I can't The, the, Force, uh, the Awakens, Force Awakens. The scene where oh. Ray tracks down Luke, but it's like Adrian Carmack or Kevin Cloud tracking down um, uh, John Romero and he turns around. Climbing and a mountain, the wind's the blowing his the, hair. Yeah. In the wind. He's got a robotic All hand for some stuff. reason. Nobody really knows why. Yep. I would have backed at the lowest level just for that, <laughs> but it, it got pulled just before I oh, well. I, I could even um, do anything. All right. Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Are we declaring it dead? Dead in the water? No. It's going to limp along for a little while. Or Just unless forever. something really weird happens like Kojima puts Death Stranding on Kickstarter or something like that. That'd be amazing. Or if Frog Fractions 3 went on Kickstarter or something. Oh. What if Death Stranding is Frog Fractions 3? That wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> 
All right, we're going to move on to the next one because we're kind of going a little mm. bit long. We, we've spent a bit of time on Kickstarter because I think it deserves it a little bit of time. It's definitely yeah. One of those well, we, we can actually edit this down. So nah, <laughs> we're just going to make it go as long as possible. Nah. All right. Uh, so we're going to go through another one. I've got the Nintendo Switch launch, which happened oh, during yeah. last week, and I actually uh, I was not going to talk about it because it was really to me it was just another hardware launch. Uh, I know that they're doing some interesting things with you know it's a portable machine that can plug into the TV. And, you know, they've kind of done a very Nintendo thing in the end. I I thought, I mean, originally when I saw it, I thought that's actually quite interesting. They're combining their portable system and their home system and putting it into a TV. But, you know, we all kind of know what Nintendo hardware is. And we know that people buy it to play Nintendo games and not really to play Mm -hmm. third party games. I'm going to say that I have pre-ordered one because I figured that I would, because I like Nintendo games, so and I want to play all the new ones that come out, so I have purchased So do I, but I couldn't be less interested in this. Oh, well, yeah. It's like one of those things that people can kind of come out and they can argue about not being a certain specs, but, you know, it is the thing that plays the Nintendo games, So Mm. and I want to do it, so I have ordered one. But the thing that I actually found interesting about the whole process was uh, somebody called Laura Kate Dale, who works for Let's Play Video Games, and she's kind of been the one source for a whole bunch of leaks on the switch hardware so she's actually Mm. put together laura's switch bingo which you could follow along the switch launch and uh, follow all of her predictions or all of her leaks and see whether she was correct or not um she actually openly said that you know her like whole career is basically riding on how accurate she gets in her switch leaks and she was pretty good um Mm. i'm just going to go through a couple here uh, so, a uh, record button on one of the Joy-Cons, she got right. So, all these she predicted back in August. So, a lot of people are coming in saying, oh, you know, you just saw it last week. No, she was the source of the information and, you know, a lot of these things came out in August. Uh, she uh, predicted the multi-touch screen, the micro SDs up to 120 gig. I think I actually read today that apparently they can take up to 2 gig, up to 2, no, terabytes. two terabytes. But no game does that yet. Uh, the charges, USB-C. The Joy-Cons have rumble, mm. HD rumble, which can apparently be used to tell how many ice cubes are in a glass, which I'm very much looking forward to that game. <laughs> okay. It's got a motion control. It's actually going to be region free, which is cool. It actually came well, that's, out- on, That's at least decent. It actually came out on stage. It was within the first 10 minutes and said, we just want to say, in the past, our consoles have had region locking, but this one's going to be region free, which is actually going to be really good. Uh, there is. Do you think they saw what what happened to Microsoft with the Xbox and no used games and everything, and they didn't really feel like people turning on them? Um, maybe I don't know. I see, I like to think that Nintendo don't give a fuck about anyone else. I think that just the way mm. that they carry themselves, they just do just whatever's going to be kind of fun to them, and they just uh, they just don't care about anyone else. And the screen's going to be seven twenty p, which are, oh okay yeah, which I think which is probably enough. I believe the screen is going to be 720p, but then the the dock gives it a little bit more processing power, so it can oh. output some more pixels when it's connected to a TV. Is that like how you you can plug your PlayStation 3 into your fridge, which is powered by your cell processor, and it's coming back? Yes. I watched the presentation, and it was exactly the way I thought it would be. Nintendo mm. just really commit to being dumb. If you've ever seen any of the uh, E3 little video skits that they do with the little puppet um, Mia, Miyamoto's and Reggie Jackson's. Mm. Um, they, they don't Reggie take Jackson, themselves. Reggie Jackson? You mean Reggie Phil's a May or whatever? Yeah, Reggie Jackson is a basketball player or something, or a football mm. player, isn't he? Reggie Phyllis. Phil's um, aim or a May? Yeah, or I, can't pronounce I always his just name. call him Reggie. 
Have they got that guy from the the Supersonics? What's his name, Sean? If they've got one basket, Sean Kemp and Reggie Jackson. Those are the new people working for Nintendo. Every podcast now includes Sean Kemp. <laughs> So, yeah, a lot of people are saying that they didn't like how dumb the presentation was, but it was exactly dumb enough for me. Yeah. I want Nintendo to be dumb. I don't want them to be, try and be Xbox. I don't want them to try and be a PS4. I want them to just be stupid. And they are. Yeah. And I think that's just going to be cool. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. You, the first thing I do with any of these things is I look at the price and that determines whether or not I think I can do anything with it. And I think at 470 I'm not really sure I can do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I, don't think I need another mobile way to game. Like, I don't really game that much mobile anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would have liked a, su- a proper successor to the GameCube, but I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who wants that. I want that four-player couch co-op split screen. Wave Race. Yeah, Wave Race. Um, I'm not going not gonna to say Mario Party. <laughs> They've actually doubled down on the motion control in a way that I didn't think that they were going to do. I thought the little Joy-Cons were a good solution to playing as a controller and then snapping them off and playing them as a screen. And I thought that was going to be the extent of it. But they've seemed to have doubled down in a way that is kind of surprising and kind of a little bit concerning in that these mm. these Joy-Cons are going to be used for party games in a way that they kind of have been in the past. But I think they're really pushing it. I think they are searching for that Nintendo Sport successor, the thing that's going to give them mainstream success, which mm. I think that probably won't get. Yeah. Well, it was a group of tech demos, and then everybody played it for the bowling, I think. Yeah, it was bowling, and then occasionally baseball, maybe. Mm. Okay, well, that was us Mm. getting you semi-informed. I think there'll probably be some corrections next week of all the things that we got wrong. But what I want to do now is actually talk about all of the games we haven't been playing, because whilst we have talked about things we have been playing, there's a lot more things that we just haven't been able to get to because it's just been that type of week. So what haven't you been playing? I'd probably should finish Doom at some stage, I would say. That would be good. Um, But yeah, there's just, I guess, other things to play and I don't want it to end. Um, I should probably play a little bit more Hitman too. I'm planning on recording one for the site soon. The uh, new Elusive Target was out. Mm, I thought I'd give that one a go because this one's apparently actually hard in that you have to kill the person in a specific way. You can't just run up to them and beat them with a brick and then run <laughs> run away. Or a knife. Just throw a knife from mm. behind a bookcase. Yep. Yeah, so I also haven't been playing Hitman. Haven't had a lot of chance to do that. Uh, I've still probably only a third through The Witcher 3, which oh, really? I need to get, get kind of back into. What do you call a third through The Witcher 3? Uh, I think I'm still in the first giant area and I've still got half the map full of places I haven't been to. So that might- You know, there's... Another map, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of halfway yeah. through that area, so that I, th- I believe that's probably a third. Maybe a I have 105 quarter. hours in The Witcher 3, and I'm close to finishing it. Right. I don't know how many hours I have in The Witcher right. 3. Probably not that, that many. Uh, let's have a look here. I've got it here somewhere. I'm 18 hours in. Right. You've got a while to go. <laughs> so I'm a fifth through the game. I believe both of the DLCs are 40 hours as well, and might uh, as well be separate games. Yeah, okay. Well, I've, I'll be not playing that for a while yet. Mm. Just just leave that on this list. Uh, so there's Witcher 3, uh, Let It Die, because I haven't just had the time to really sit down with a game I can't pause. And, I'm, and uh, I really want to get back into Abzu. I did a first contact for the site, and I really had a lot of fun with it, but I wanted to just see what else it's got under the hood. Mm. All right, so that is yeah. what we haven't been playing. Uh, we're going to go on to... 
Letting off steam. Hey. Hey. All right. All right, let's let off some steam. This is Letting Off Steam, where we read out uh, reviews from Steam. The Steam Reviews is a wonderful place to explore. Mm. Some of them are very in-depth, some of them are very reasoned and thought-provoking, and some of them are just the way we're going to read them. A lot of people use it as a platform, I find, for whatever's (laughs) bothering them at the time. To let off steam. Let's get into it. So the, our first game is Shenzhen IO, and let's start with a positive review from Spodge, who has 101.3 hours in the game. He's, a lot more than me. He's played the whole Witcher, but he's done it in Probably. Shenzhen IO. He says, I've been coming home from my programming job every night to my fake programming job, which is a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, I've done a couple of programming jobs, and the way the projects go in this game, this one's probably a lot more fulfilling. The projects don't tend to get cancelled halfway through. <laughs> So now a negative review of Shenzhen IO from Andy Shun 63 He has 0.1 hours in the game, which is six minutes. That's just loading it, isn't it? Which I think is long enough to load it, open it up, and look at the first puzzle and freak the hell out. <laughs> he says, I'm running Oh my god, this game is not for public, only for engineer background. No tutorials or instruction for beginner. Waste my time and money going to get a refund for this game. Now, hang on a second. I take, offense, I take umbrage at that. Because he said that he has wasted his time. He has apparently wasted his six minutes of launching the game. <laughs> Obviously, he works at a high-paying job where his six minutes are so valuable. Yeah, this is actually Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> he would actually enjoy the game, maybe. He does have an engineer um, background. Yes, yeah, so for the second game, I went back to Postal 2, which we... Uh, Postal 2 is a fairly polarizing game. It's either the best game or the worst game, depending on who you ask. Uh, so our first review is a positive review from Liar the Persian. 6.4 hours, he said, As a girl, I've always been envious of the male ability to pee wherever. I can now do that. <laughs> Postal 2 being one of the only games I know where you can set someone on fire, pee on them to put them out, then set them on fire again. Do you have a certain amount of pee? Like, can you just do that you indefinitely? You do, actually. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, then uh, I'm happy f- that it's an accurate game. It is. Now for a negative review from Bhutanese Napoleon, who says, 4.1 hours... I don't get it. Where are the portal guns? Where's the companion cube? Where is Shell? Where is GLaDOS? Obviously the worst portal game ever. <laughs> the funny thing is when you said Postal 2, I thought you said Portal 2. Yeah, no. It's a common mistake. Yes. You don't want to get those games um, confused, though. No. So for my last game, I picked DCS World, which... Um, DCS, I think it's Dynamic Combat Simulations. They make flight simulators. And they're that accurate that the manual for these games can be used to fly the actual plane. I've heard stories of people who are learning to fly these planes just printing out the DCS manual and keeping it around because <laughs> it's a good quick reference. So the first review comes is a negative review from Orange Juice who has 0.4 hours and his review is Confusion Simulator 2015. Gently pull back on the stick and I'm in space. <laughs> I'm surprised you got uh, high I, within 0.4 hours because I've tried that and I can't even yeah. get off the ground. I'm, yeah, I'm surprised he turned the plane on unless he already started in the air. Like, I spent, like, I went and played P-51D for DCS, which is like a World War II airplane. This is one of, this is a simple plane. There's like six controls. And even I can't get the damn thing off the, off the runway. <laughs> uh, and now for a positive review from Valmorian, 21.2 hours. He, actually, maybe he can get off the, off the, uh, the runway. Now, this has been my experience with the game. His one is starting engines, beep, 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 trying to take off, beep, 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 flying, beep, 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 11 out of 10. 
I think that uh, a lot of people who really love those games love the accuracy, love the fact that there are mm. warning lights and warning buzzers for seemingly apparently no reason. Mm. But well, there there is a, usually a reason because these are modelled after real planes, but I think they sort of <laughs> yeah. So like generally the reason is something that, that that like you've done rather than the game being bad. It's you not knowing how to fly an actual plane, which mm. I can understand. If you know how to start an APU for a, a you know a fighter jet, then this is the game for you. All right. Letting off steam. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure, we'll have some more next week. Maybe I should go and write a review of something and see if you choose it. I'll just write it under a pseudonym and see if you can find yeah. it. Yeah. The Witcher Three, zero point one hours. You could probably write a review of uh, Nitro Plus Blasters because I looked at that one and it was just people talking about waifus. So, All right. Okay. Let's, let's, I think None it's best if we just were... stay away from everything no. surrounding those games and just merely play the games. None of those were appropriate for no, this podcast. No, that would get us certain ratings that the iTunes store wouldn't like us mm. on anymore. Remember, um, what was that male client? Eudora. Yes. And they used to have chilies next to the yes. mail based on how your, the profanity. Your emails it. always used to come through with a chili. I think you just tried <laughs> to make sure that it came through with a chili. Lots of, lots of chilies on Nitro Plus Blast. <laughs> and now we're going to go on to corrections, which we will call mm. fully informatic. Ah, this is, yeah, see, so this is where we yeah. turn our semi-informatic into fully informatic. This is this is where we actually go back and check some of our facts or get the. You've the, been waiting to just drop that one on me, haven't yes, you? Yes, I have. It's, it's finally I've actually worked it in. So uh, the very first fully informed. You want me to handle this one? Yeah, you, this is this is actually my correction. Yes, this is actually your correction. Yeah, we spoke about the a Commodore sixty four game, a basketball game last week, and it turns out it was Doctor J versus Larry Bird, not uh, Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird. Um, it's an easy mistake to make. Yeah, in my defence, I don't know anything about sport. In fact, uh, when I was a kid um, and I was collecting GI Joes, I sent off a bunch of paddle pop sticks to get a GI Joe for uh, William the Refrigerator Perry, who was an American football player, and I had no idea who he was. I just knew that I wanted a GI Joe. <laughs> um, did you actually want that particular G.I. Joe or you just wanted a G.I. No, Joe? No, I just wanted to supplement my collection yeah, of G.I. Joes. You already. just wanted one more G.I. Joe. And so he came in the mail without, and like, I expected him to be in like a box that you open, like, you know, how you buy a G.I. Joe yeah. from, but instead he just came in like a, a, um, a Ziploc bag in a padded <laughs> post pack. So you got one of those like, off-brand G.I. Joes. Yeah. Well, I actually looked this up and it was, a, it was a thing in the US as well. They had a similar promotion for something else. And he came with a little football on, like, a spiked chain. I'm surprised you, that, that you could actually get him in Australia, being that it was a yeah, gridiron. Yeah, I thought it was weird. G.I. Joe back then when nobody knew what gridiron was. No. I, um, all I knew was that I just wanted more G.I. Joes, and that was it. My first exposure to gridiron was through Don Lane, who had a show on the ABC called Don Lane's American Football. And I yep. think it was during the early 90s, and he used to take you through the game and he would present a game every week and I actually even bought the book Don Lane's Guide to American Football so all my knowledge of American Football comes from Don Lane an old ex right. uh, American but living in Australia uh, talk show host yes no I remember Don Lane he was with Bert Newton he was they, they had a show together sadly no longer with us TV is useful after all alright the next piece of correction is mine I incorrectly stated that the Beastie Boys were an unlockable character in NBA Street Volume 2. It actually turns out that they were unlockable characters in NBA Street Volume 3. 
Mm. I did have NBA Street Volume 3, and I did play the game enough that I could unlock the Beastie Boys, and that was the only reason why I ended up playing that game for as long as I did. I remember NBA Street Volume 2 being amazing, and you can play as people like Sean Kemp. There you go, again. Um, Mm. Jordan, Magic Johnson, um, and all those players. Dr. Dr. J. Uh, But Mm. uh, no, they were definitely not in NBA Street Volume 2. So the Beastie Boys were your Azua Song Mage Blade yeah. of the game. Oh, you yeah. want to make a World of Warcraft reference. Yes. I would have actually liked to have seen the Beastie Boys in World of Warcraft. I would have. That would have been good. I would have they liked have all those other pop culture references. What's one more? Yeah. They could have done us. A... That just got stupid near the end and yeah. it just started to negatively affect the game where everything is a pop culture reference. Yeah. I, I kind of, I, I knew it was there when they did the, um, not the Law and Order. What was the... The, it was oh, the NCIS. Yes, no, N- no, no, it was definitely Law, Law and Order. No, it was um, CSI Miami. Yes, CSI Miami yeah. uh, reference. Uh, that was when I knew that it was probably time to hang it up. Mm. Unfortunately, I didn't make such a wise decision, and I have <laughs> played the latest World of Warcraft Oh, really? Expansion. And how is it? Mm. Is it still in the post-cataclysm state, or have they redone the world again? Uh, no, that's still the same. Um to a certain, now I have to remember what the hell is actually going on in World of Warcraft. Um, now, did they redo Northrend? I think they redid Northrend, but in a different time period, or was that no? That was Legion. At any rate, yeah, World of Warcraft's still about the same. It's probably a little bit better quest-wise, and they had this big long quest, like a big long month-long quest that you have to complete at the end of the game if you want to get anywhere near flying these days. You can't just buy it. But they made you run dungeons and raids for it. At that point, I just said, I'm out. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I never really got super into the raids. I did a couple. That was when World of Warcraft turned from a game into a job. And then one where yeah. I had a job of pushing this button in this area so I could get some gear to move this other button in a different area and push the same button. Mm. So now I just do that in Tap Titans 2. And, and, and if you ever ask yourself why you want the gear, then it all starts to fall apart. Yeah, pretty much. All right, so that's the correction for uh, NBA Street Volume 2. And I also have one last correction. And this, but this wasn't on the podcast, but this was on the site. Uh, so on Friday night, I streamed out the first uh, episode of Friday Night Fights, where we played Nitro Plus Blasters, Heroine's Infinite Jewel. And I was trying to remember, I was trying to rack my, bl- my, 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 blaine, my brain, trying to remember. David Blaine? Yes, I was trying to rack my David Blaine, trying to remember the name of uh, Super Sonico's Cats. Because she actually mentions it generally in the story mode twice in the last two times I've played the story mode. And I apparently got alternate words in texts where she didn't mention it. And I was trying to remember Supersonico's cat's names because they were very funny cat's names. Uh, so her cat's names, it turns out, are Roasty, Porky, Noodles, Fish Cake, and Tasty. Right. All solid cat that, names. That Tasty one is a little bit out there considering one of the characters wants to eat her cat. Yes. And um, then I think uh, Supersonic was very concerned that uh, it's like Meat Arms Girl wants to eat Mm. her cat. So she offers up herself instead of the cats, to which Meat Arms Girl becomes even more confused as to why would she want to eat Supersonic rather than cats. And then everyone kind of stares at each other and just kind of backs away and walks off. Mm. That tends to happen a lot with these type of games. It is that type of game. A lot of staring and backing away. And just being just generally confused. Mm. So that's the fully informatic. Consider yourself fully informed until yep. next week. Unless Supersonico renames her cats. Yeah, well, in which case we'll have to have a uh, Supersonico cat update. Mm. 
All right. So seven that- part video series. <laughs> uh, speaking of seven part video series, uh, what have we got coming up on the site? Uh, we have the exciting conclusion to our seven days to die basic training. So is that the seventh day? It is the seventh See, day. Nothing gets past me. The seventh day and the seventh night, making it an hour long video. Wow. Um, there's almost four and a half hours of video in that series if you want to watch how to get started on seven days to die and how to not die and how to build a base that can stand up to the day seven horde. Just to give you a quick spoiler, the day seven horde ends up being quite a bit bigger than I had uh, remembered, but it, it's all fine. But luckily um, you had prepared. Or is like it? You had prepared in the correct manner. Hmm, I had. Or maybe not. Um, I, I didn't spend all my time beating up on um, air conditioning units trying to find mechanical parts. I actually built my base properly. Excellent. Um, a first contact for Shenzhen IO, uh, which we've talked about earlier. Cool. Uh, and I believe you're going to be fighting people again on Friday. I night. will. I still haven't chosen the fighting game to play. I was thinking it might be uh, Injustice, the first game, considering that the oh. second game got announced. But I'm yet to make up my mind. I do have sitting here a CRT TV, PlayStation 2, and a copy of Capcom vs. SNK2 Millennium Fighting Edition, which I'm going yeah. to want to play eventually. But I've got this a is the fighter for the new millennium. Yes. Uh, so that will be coming up at some point. I've just got to figure out the best way of getting it from there into OBS. Yeah, you'll be taking everybody for a ride then. I will. <laughs> All right. So, uh, that will probably do us for the evening. Mm. Thank you for listening. This has uh, been the Semicast, the podcast from semiinformatic.com. Uh, if you've got mm. any questions or corrections that we can read out next week, please email us at semicast at semiinformatic.com. Please visit the site and check out some of the video content we've got going up. Uh, that will kind of do it. Thank you for listening. See you later. Bye. Bye.